But there's a lot, there's a lot in here, um, from the first part of it all the way up to the last. Starting in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages? Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, and all these other places, <laughs> visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, Ah, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. But he knows we started drinking at five like normal people. <laughs> no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us in the language of our hearts, that we may hear your word with understanding and answer your call with confidence. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we are celebrating today what they call in the book of Acts uh, is Pentecost, but what not a whole lot of us know is that actually it has a bunch of tithes into the Old Testament. Um, we celebrate this giving of the Holy Spirit. And as Carl Sagan, who was an astrophysicist in the 80s, once said, you have to know the past to understand the present. I actually didn't know that was a Carl Sagan quote. Let's jump to Exodus 23, and, but it's also found in Exodus 34, and it's also found in Deuteronomy 16. So let's set the stage a little bit. We talked about the last time I was up about the Old Covenant, right? 
it was the if and then covenant. If you do such and such, then such and such will happen. So remember what God said to Moses. If you obey my commandments and my decrees, then you will be blessed. If you do not obey my commandments and my decrees, you will not be blessed. You will actually be cursed. So that's the, that's the covenant, the time frame that we're dealing with right here. God has made his covenant with his mediator who is of the old covenant, which is Moses. Okay? Now, in Exodus 23, the word of the Lord comes to Moses and he's speaking to God's people and he sets up feasts for his people to remember. Which is something that I really, really appreciate about the Old Covenant, about the Old Testament, the way God operated back then. We don't see it too much, but I love the remembrance because um, remember when his people crossed the Jordan with Joshua. He said, set up this huge pile of rocks, it's called an Ebenezer, so that what? You don't forget what I have done for you. He set up all these reminders because people are dumb. <laughs> it's me included. I need, I need this in my spiritual journey as well. Um, I need to develop more of this practice. Um, because we forget all the things that God has done. Later on, we're going to be talking about how God's people are complaining in the wilderness after God has just miraculously... Not with like one tiny little miracle, not with just the parting of the Red Sea, but with the, the, the cloud of smoke, the pillar of fire. With a mighty hand, Deuteronomy says, I have raised my people and set them free from the land of Egypt. And it's almost like two seconds later, they're already forgetting this huge blessing. And they're complaining. And it happens, if you read the books of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it happens again and again and again. These people complain, they forget about what God is doing. So God sets up reminders. So first, after the giving of the law, we get to Exodus 23. And we're setting up feasts, annual feasts. And there's actually three of them that they set up, and this is something that you do three times every single year. Like, I love that Christmas time is not something that we celebrate once every five years or two years or ten years. We get to celebrate it every year. And as the older and older that I get, it seems like <laughs> a whole year does not happen all, <laughs> it happens very quickly <laughs> at this age. Especially with little ones. But I love that it comes around every year because it's a great reminder. What we have Easter. We have Easter tide. We keep the, the festivities and the celebrations and uh, uh, the glory of Easter. We keep it going throughout these six weeks or however long we celebrate it. So we set up, in Exodus 23, he sets up feasts. So the first one is the feast of Passover. And this is where, this is what they celebrated right before the Exodus. This is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Remember, it's unleavened because God said, you don't even have time for this stuff to rise. You've got to get up and you've got to go. I am leading you out of this country. 
It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's Passover. So the second one is what I want to hit home. It's actually called the Feast of the Harv, the Festival of the Harvest. And it's typically celebrated um, seven weeks after Passover during the first crop of the wheat harvest. And it, Exodus 23 and, and all those other passages actually explain all these, all these time frames and everything. So it's also called the, the Feast of Weeks. And actually today, Jews celebrate it as Shavuot. I think I'm pronouncing I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly or not. I don't have any Jewish friends to call me out on that. But that's what we're going to go with. The Feast of Weeks, or the Festival of the Harvest. It's, it's like another tithe, right? Why do, we, why do we give a tithe? A certain percentage of our income back to God because we realize that it's not ours in the first place, is it? God has heaped his blessing on us, and this is what we can do to give back a little bit to God. And this is what he set up in the Old Testament for the nations of Israel to do. You're going to bring me your first and your best crop and give it back to the Lord because he's the one who has blessed you in the first place. Um, with, the, with Passover, do you give any old lamb? Do you give a goat? Do you give a bird? No, you give, you sacrifice the best unblemished lamb and you give it over to God. You give him your best. So it's, it's like the first fruits of your harvest. You're giving back to God. So in Deuteronomy 16, it's the last passage that it shows up in. I'll actually read that for you. It says, count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of harvest. Then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. This is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship. He will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns, and the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. So this is Pentecost in the Old Testament. It also has its ties to the giving of the law uh, at Mount Sinai. Now get this. In Deuteronomy 16, we were to count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the harvest, okay? In Exodus uh, at Mount Sinai, the people celebrated the giving of the law seven weeks of seven days after leaving Egypt and celebrating the first Passover. What's seven times seven? Forty-nine. Forty-nine. <laughs> there you go. Which is pretty darn close to 50. Guess where we get the word Pentecost from? It's actually the Greek word for 50, Pentecostal. I feel like every time I 
bring you guys a Greek word. I feel like the dad from my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> and he's so proud of his Greek heritage. Give me a word. Any word, and I will tell you that word is Greek. One next bottle. Pentecosta. 50. All right? So we have seven weeks of seven days from the time of the first harvest, 50. We have seven weeks of seven days from the first Passover to the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, 50. Pentecostal. Now, Pentecostal, like we said before, is a celebration of the festival of the harvest, the Feast of Weeks. There's Pentecosta after Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, was crucified on Passover as our unblemished, our spotless lamb. The lamb of God, John the baptizer proclaims, who takes away the sins of the world. I find that mind-boggling. That is so cool. I love that connection. We get to celebrate this, this festival, this celebration, from all the way in, back in the New Testament, the giving of the law, the giving of the harvest back to God. And now it's the same seven weeks of our Passover lamb being crucified for us. So now that we have a better understanding of what Pentecost is, we can get into why it's so significant. And so I actually titled this sermon, um, uh, A Promise, or no, what did I say? <laughs> I <didn't really> <laughs> a Wish and a Promise Fulfilled. Now we actually already talked about in our Old Testament reading that Eduardo read for us about the wish. It actually comes from Numbers 11. So, God poured out his covenant to his people through Moses. God pours out his new covenant to his people through the work of Jesus Christ and the giving out of his Holy Spirit, which is this wish fulfilled. So let's go back to Numbers 11. This is why, actually I want to step back for a minute. Why did God spread out his Holy Spirit from Moses and give it to the elders? Well, actually, if we look back a little bit before this passage, we see in verse 10, Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became very angry, extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated, which is probably an understatement. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. Why and what did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. 
If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Moses at this point is at the end of his rope. He is the, the one. Imagine, imagine the pressure. He is the one that has the Holy Spirit right now. The one in all of God's people right now. He is the mediator of this old covenant between God and his people. He is the one who speaks on God's behalf to his people. That's a lot of pressure. And on top of all that, all, all that, God's people are not gracious and understanding and forgiving and grateful for all the miracles and blessings God has done. No, they're complaining. See, at this time, they want meat because all they've had is manna. So they gather it up on the, from, the, from the dew, and they make bread with it, they make muffins, and they have manna pizza, and they have manna everything, just to, that's, that's all they have. They want meat, and they're complaining. Oftentimes we hear in other passages, they complain to Moses every time, so like when they don't, when they don't have water, and Moses has to strike a rock and give them water. Why did you bring us into the wilderness are you trying to kill us? And essentially, they're, they're saying this not only to Moses, because Moses is the speaker for God. They're speaking in this way to God. Did you bring us all this way just to kill us? Moses is at the end of his world by now. He's like the quote that I love uh, from Lord of the Rings. He's like butter scraped over too much bread. He needs help. And Moses clearly, at this point, he wants out. He's done. But God has another plan. Which actually is a good subtitle for the whole Bible, if you think about it. <laughs> the Bible. God has another plan. <laughs> um, but this is how God operated in the Old Testament when it comes to the, the Holy Spirit. We see time and time again the words, and the Spirit of the Lord rested upon. You have the Spirit of the Lord rested upon Moses. You have the Spirit of the Lord rested upon the judges like Samson. It gave him that mighty strength to defeat the Philistines. And the Spirit of God rested upon Saul, the first, Israel's first king. God used the Holy Spirit back then to equip his people for his purposes at that specific time and place. It's far different from what we have now. The Holy Spirit is often um, called the Comforter. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the, the Comforter. We uh, looked at when Aguardo was preaching, Jesus' promises before he ascended into heaven. I'm going away, but I'm leaving with you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now, in our culture right now, when I think of the word comforter, what comes to mind is, oh, somebody's going to sit by your bedside and stroke your hand and tell you everything's okay, which, yes, the Holy Spirit does do that, but there's much more in this word that we actually don't get. 
So this word actually has its origins, our word comforter in the English language, it actually has Latin roots. The comforter, forte, is the root word. Power. Now everybody that has a musical background knows the word forte. When you see that on the sheet music, that little F, it's telling you to play or sing this music, what? With power with strength. That's what this word means. Fourth day with power. Lori, what's the Spanish word for strength? Fuerte. Fuerte. Mm. Fact check. <laughs> My wife's a Spanish teacher. <laughs> Yes, fuerte, forte, power and strength. This is what I leave you, Jesus says, when I'm going away. Power and a strength we get from the Holy Spirit. This is what Moses needs at this time. He needs more power. He needs God's strength. And this power needs to be shared and experienced by all of God's people. With the Holy Spirit, we can work together through the power and the strength we get from the Holy Spirit to help each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other, and empower each other. And this is what he wishes. Let's go back to our reading. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? He says to Joshua, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. This is Moses' wish. That the Holy Spirit wouldn't just be stored up and given to one person, but that all of God's people can experience this strength and this power that God gives us through his spirit. That's Moses' wish. But now we get a promise of that wish. What we actually read that Peter quoted for us in our Acts reading from the book of Joel. Joel was an Old Testament prophet. What are prophecies? But they're God's promises to us, to God's people. Peter quotes specifically Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And it says, Even on the male and female servants in those days, I, speaking of the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. God's prophecies and his promises are slowly but surely coming true. God took the wish from Moses and he turned it into a promise for his people. So, we as God's people, we had to wait all the way from Moses. Now we get all the way to the book of Joel in the Old Testament. But for the actual fulfillment, we had to wait a little bit longer. He turns the wish into a prophecy but soon it's going to become a reality. 
and there's going to be some weird stuff going down. <laughs> to paraphrase. <laughs> that God says, to show you what I'm doing, how I am working, how I am moving. Some weird stuff is going to happen. Where is it? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm going to cause wonders in, heaven, in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. And the moon will turn blood red. Some weird stuff is going to go down. And now we finally get to Acts 2. The promise actually being fulfilled. So we read, starting in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, on Pentecost, all the believers were gathered in one place. How many? All of them. And how many were there? Twelve? No. No, actually, let's go back to chapter 1. It says in Acts 1.15, during this time, about 120 believers were all to gather together in one place. So it's not just the 12. It is the disciples of Jesus. On Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly... Some weird stuff started going down. Just like the book of Joel. Sounds like a mighty wind. Visions of fire. What happened at Christ's crucifixion? It went dark. The sun blotted out. Some of this weird stuff we see should have triggered the people that knew their Bible. Wait a minute, Some, something's going down. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's Moses' wish. All of God's people were filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish that the, all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his Spirit upon them all. And then in verse 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. We are a part of this wish and this promise fulfilled. We have the Holy Spirit to give us strength and power and to help each other when people are at the end of their rope. And they want to give up. They need more power. They need more strength from the Holy Spirit. We are given, Paul describes, we are all the body of Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, we are all given gifts to help each other, to empower each other, to strengthen each other. The power and the strength that moves God's people to accomplish his purposes in redemptive history resides in and empowers us today, just like it did 
the apostles in Acts 2. We can do God's work. And we can be a part of God's plan. Where God is moving. And to be the Jesus-y people, like we've been talking about, that he wants us to be. Through the power of this Pentecostal Holy Spirit. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the giving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm glad that we have this wish of Moses and this prophecy of Joel fulfilled in us that we don't have to go to one person to meet with you to be in your presence, to hear from you. We have your Holy Spirit. We have your word poured out for us. And we have each other. We have each other, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you for this body that um, the Holy Spirit, I know I've seen his presence clearly evident in this place and in this body. We've worked together, and we've accomplished a lot over the past uh, year or so, uh, being totally volunteer-led. God, your spirit is powerful. It's in us. It's among us. It's moving through us. God, allow us to recognize your spirit in us. Allow it to permeate us so that we can accomplish your work. We can see what you're doing and we can join you in your mighty work of redemption. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can go grab your kids downstairs.